Hey, Dog Speak Geeks. Do you ever feel frustrated? Well, your dog does. Frustration occurs when an animal is interrupted in reaching their goals. Unfortunately, this occurs all too often in the modern world when a dog's goals do not align with those of their human companion. This can be a source of distress for both you and your dog, but it can also lead to the development of problem behaviors and can damage the relationship that you have with your dog. But we have answers for you. Join us for a two-day in-person seminar October 5th and 6th with instruction by Daniel Shaw. Daniel Shaw is an animal behaviorist with a background in animal behavior, psychology, and neuroscience. He will be talking about what frustration is and how it can be identified, the difficulty of conventional approaches in resolving frustration, what influences the value of rewards, as well as supporting frustrated dogs and building frustration tolerance. You can buy early bird tickets now until August the 5th, and be sure that you join us for our pre-seminar social Friday evening where you can meet Daniel and the Dog Speak team. We look forward to seeing you October 5th and 6th in Nashville, Tennessee for the Neuroscience of Resolving Frustration in Dogs seminar. Hey guys, and welcome to the Dog Speak Podcast. I am Nikki Ivey, your host. I am thrilled that you are joining me to talk puppies, dog training, real life manners, and more. Be sure to check out our Facebook page as well as our website at dogspeak101.com. Welcome to episode two of our Dog Speak podcast. Tonight I thought I would talk a little bit about how dogs learn, what your role would be working with dogs and training your dog. It's important that we understand where dogs are coming from. Otherwise, we get stuck in the human thought process of how we think they should learn or how we think they should know something already. The fact of the matter is, is that dogs don't come into this world understanding any of the rules that we put in place as humans. They don't naturally think that grass is where they're supposed to pee. It's really about where they're raised. If you have a puppy who is raised in a kennel run with concrete floor and that's where they pee, then in their mind, that is where they're supposed to pee. And so we have to really understand where they are coming from instead of just automatically making assumptions about what they should be doing or what they should not be doing. We really need to take that responsibility and help them learn what the rules are in our world, in our life, and what we would like to see from them as far as the relationship that we are trying to develop. So dogs really have very simple minds in the fact that they're not going to overcomplicate things. Dogs basically do what works. If something works, then they will repeat it. And if you think about it, pretty much anything with an organism will do that. If if we try to do something and it works, then we have been reinforced for it. Therefore, we will continue to do that particular behavior. You know, when you have a disagreement with your partner, you may start out fighting fairly. But then it gets to the point where if your partner starts ignoring you and walking away and not 
um, conversing with you about whatever issue you're discussing, you'll start to find those little punches to throw, to, to try to push those buttons, to say, you know, I know I can push this button and it will always get them to respond. And eventually, you'll skip all the fair play and you will immediately start going to pushing those buttons just to get a response because you've been rewarded for it. So really, we have to learn as humans to better ourselves um, and look at what we're doing so that we do a better job at communicating with our dogs and understanding more about where they're coming from. Dogs have two different types of behaviors. They have a self-rewarding behavior and a non-self-rewarding behavior. Self-rewarding behaviors are behaviors that they don't need you for. Things such as peeing and pooping. It does not matter where a dog pees or poops. It is a reward. It relieves them. Sitting is a self-rewarding behavior. Laying down, chewing, sometimes barking is a self-rewarding behavior. Behaviors that are non-self-rewarding would be any behavior that a dog would need an external organism to reward to make it rewarding. Jumping is a great example. Dogs are going to naturally try jumping because puppies just want to get close to you and that's what they try. And so most people with puppies will acknowledge jumping because they're so cute. So the dog learns that jumping gets something. Jumping is not a rewarding behavior unless someone pays attention to the dog when they jump or if you throw a ball when your dog jumps, you've rewarded the jump. And so as humans, we have to look at those two different behaviors, self-rewarding and non-self-rewarding, and make decisions about them. Do we want the self-rewarding behavior or do we not want the self-rewarding behavior? And are we okay with the non-self-rewarding behavior? Would we like to see that behavior again? We have to make those decisions as the human because we are the greater species. We are the 51% of this relationship. We make those final say-sos. As a human, we get to decide which behaviors we like and which behaviors we don't like. And it's all about how we are interacting with the dog. So you have three ways to handle these behaviors. You're either going to acknowledge it, ignore it, or interrupt it. So behavior that we would like to see repeated, whether it is a self-rewarding behavior or a non-self-rewarding behavior, it needs to be acknowledged. We need to let the dog know that we really appreciate those behaviors. You know, behaviors like sit, those behaviors will never go away if we never acknowledge them because they're self-rewarding. The only way we could stop the behavior of sit is put an aversive with it, basically punish it, which we don't want to do. So acknowledgement is basically telling the dog, I like that behavior. I would like to see it consistently. And a lot of times that behavior is going to have one of our magical words to go along with it. Behaviors that are self-rewarding that we do not want, we are simply going to interrupt those behaviors and teach the dog what we would rather see instead. So many times, new puppy owners or new dog owners focus on the behaviors that they don't want. Well, when you do that, all you're going to see is negative. And teaching the dog what you don't want does not magically teach him what you do want. Teaching him what you don't want 
that could take 30 different behaviors that you don't want just to try to get the one behavior that you do. So I'm really big on focusing on what I do want instead of what I don't want. So let's take a behavior that we don't want, say chewing on our rug. I want to teach a dog that chewing is okay. It's just there are certain items I would rather them chew on and certain items I would rather them leave alone. If I punish a dog for chewing, they're only going to learn that chewing in front of me is bad. Therefore, they will go and hide and chew on things that I cannot see. Therefore, they will be self-rewarded for chewing on the dining room table because they're hiding from me and I can't interrupt that behavior to teach them to chew on something else. So what I want to do is interrupt any behavior with the least amount of interaction. Remember, this is not a correction. This is not punishment. This is not discipline. This is interruption in order to teach. So let's say that my dog is chewing on the rug. I simply want to walk over, remove the dog from the rug without saying anything, and give the dog something that it may chew on. When that puppy starts to chew on that specific item that is appropriate, I'm going to acknowledge with a good boy or a good girl. If the puppy goes back to the rug, I will repeat the process. And I will do this at least three times. And on the fourth time, I will then put the puppy into a quick timeout. Now, timeouts are basically about isolation and losing the opportunity to earn rewards. Timeout is not um, a location. It is simply isolation. So my timeouts for puppies will always be their crate because I want them to be safe during their timeout where they cannot get themselves into trouble. Remember, timeouts are about isolation, not about the location. Your puppy is not going to see the crate as a negative if you use it as a timeout. Timeouts are only about 30 seconds and then you will let the puppy out and if the puppy goes back to the rug you start it all over again and you'll repeat the process and you'll you might even repeat the timeout again and you will continue that until the puppy understands that the common denominator of isolation is chewing on the rug don't forget you have to acknowledge your puppy for chewing on the right thing don't take that for granted now it's important that when you interrupt, you don't say anything because you don't want to make it a big deal. You don't want to make the puppy feel bad or be scared. Uh, you don't have to use a word to tell the dog that he's doing wrong. Focus on showing them what they need to do and reward that behavior. Now, there are some behaviors um, that you may have to interrupt a little differently as a self-rewarding behavior, which is our puppy biting and we will discuss that when we talk about puppy behavior in our next episode. But other, other behaviors that you can ignore always, I mean, excuse me, interrupt, you want to do it with the least amount of interaction. You want to be confident that what you are doing um, is going to communicate clearly to the dog. So always use the least amount of interaction when you are interrupting any self-rewarding behavior that you do not want. Lastly, you want to learn how to ignore. Ignoring is super powerful and dogs actually use it themselves. As a matter of fact, dogs are born with the ability to handle confrontation and conflict. 
and ignoring is one of their passive level calming signals. And so it's something they really understand. So any behavior that is not self-rewarding, let's take jumping for an example, you want to learn how to ignore it. So ignoring means we don't look, we don't talk, and we don't touch. So if your dog jumps on you, the best thing you can do is cross your arms and look away. If you have to turn to prevent the dog from maybe scratching you, you can turn a quarter of the way and continue to ignore. You don't want to turn a quarter of the way and then look at the dog to see if it's working. You'll know if it's working by feeling the dog jumping or not. Our new puppy, she has learned that coming up to us and sitting is how you get attention or just walking up with four on the floor. Now, because she's a puppy, when we go to pet her, she is jumping. But when she jumps, we immediately stop petting and stand up and look away. She then puts four back on the floor or sits. We give attention again. And so she is trying these behaviors to see what do I need to do to get this and what do I need to do to get that. And through trial and error, she's going to figure it out. And you always want your dogs to problem solve and think. You have to give them the opportunity to do some trial and error and not make them afraid to do the wrong thing. So ignoring, super powerful. Any behavior that is not self-rewarding, you simply ignore. If your dog is barking at you, you want to completely ignore that. Don't look, don't talk, and don't touch. When your dog follows the inappropriate behavior with something positive, something you would rather see, count to three and then give attention to your dog. That way you're not going to create a chain behavior. Now that we've discussed how you should be handling self-rewarding and non-self-rewarding behavior, let's go back to the acknowledgement portion of this. It is so important that we have a cue that tells the dog that they have done something right. Many people use a verbal cue. Some people will use a tool such as a clicker. Well, we teach the same way as using a clicker. However, we just use a verbal marker. But we also have three different levels of our verbal marker. So we simply use good girl or good boy. And for this podcast, I'll just use good puppy. We use good puppy to tell the dog that they are doing something that we would love to see repeated. This is something that you can use anytime, all the time, for anything you would like to see again. Now, we have to first communicate to the dog that good puppy means something. Therefore, you're going to need to condition your verbal marker. Now, you'll only need to do this once or twice, and it's a very simple process. You're going to take 10 to 12 small pieces of kibble or small pieces of treat, You can place them in a bowl and place the bowl on a table. You'll sit next to the bowl and you will basically tell your dog, good puppy, and give them a piece of kibble. You will do that 10 to 12 times. It will only take you about 30 to 45 seconds depending on how fast your dog eats. So you're not looking for any behavior. You're simply saying good puppy and reward. Good puppy, reward. Good puppy, reward. Good puppy, reward. Good puppy, reward. And you'll do it for all of those 10 or 12 small pieces. This will condition the verbal marker to tell the dog that good puppy means more than just hearing you speak. Now, there are three levels of our good puppy. Your good puppy is similar to a slot machine bell. And if you've played slots before and you've won on a slot machine, you know what that bell communicates. 
So basically, we have three levels. We have our verbal by itself, which would be like winning a free spin off of a slot machine. That's fun and exciting the first few times, but let's face it, no one's playing slots to win free spins. Then you have your verbal with a pet. Now that would be similar to winning maybe 10 quarters back off of one quarter. That is, you know, it's a good reward. That's sometimes really worth playing for. Then you have your verbal with a resource. Now this resource can be anything from 15, 20 quarters off of one quarter up to the car sitting on top of the slots. We play for those reinforcements and the small reinforcements continues our behavior because we're looking for the bigger reinforcements. So your verbal marker will communicate to the dog that, hey, you're on the right track and sometimes there's a payout, so you better keep playing the game. So you have your verbal marker by itself, verbal marker with a pet, verbal marker with a resource. You really want to get in the habit of using that verbal marker as much as you possibly can. The verbal marker is not just used during training. Because let's face it, training or teaching is 24-7. So you need to get in the habit of acknowledging your dog on a regular basis for whatever behavior that he or she is doing. If you would like to see it repeated, or if you don't mind seeing it repeated, you need to mark it with your verbal marker. Do not think you have to have food or treats on you at all times. Sometimes that resource can be a ball or a tug toy or the leash being put on or the leash being taken off. Play around with it to see what your dog finds as super rewarding. Your dog may love beef lung, but somebody else's dog may think beef lung is on the lower end of the totem pole. So you have to play around to find out what your dog really sees as rewarding, what your dog finds as um, worth doing the behavior. For example, I had a beagle that I was working with, and treats were good for the beagle, but what the beagle really wanted was to dig in a hole. So what I did, because it was okay for that beagle to be digging in that particular hole, I would get some response from the beagle, and the reward would be to go dig. And I would allow the beagle to dig for a minute, maybe just only 30 seconds, then I would get the beagle, we would do a few other things, and then the reward would be to go dig. So you see, the reward can be anything that your dog finds worthwhile. Play around with it and see what your dog likes. Just make sure that you do condition the verbal marker using food, because food is going to get us a lot more uh, behavior, especially if we're using treats, than if we just stick with playtime, ball, digging in holes, because food is a life-sustaining resource. So We definitely want to use it to our advantage, and that's how we want to condition the verbal marker. And then you want to get yourself in the habit of telling your dog on a regular basis how good they're being. And there may be times where you give 88 good boys with two treats through that process. Just get in the habit of acknowledging the good behavior, and don't forget to ignore the behavior that is not self-rewarding, that you do not want repeated, and interrupt any behavior that is self-rewarding that you do not want. Just interrupt with the least amount of interaction. So in conclusion of our episode two of the podcast, just to recap, dogs have two different behaviors, self-rewarding and non-self-rewarding. 
you will either be ignoring it, interrupting it, or acknowledging it. You will condition your verbal marker to communicate to the dog that the verbal marker means you've done something good and there is a chance that you can earn some petting or some great resources. And you need to use that time out to your advantage as well as part of the teaching process. If you have to interrupt a behavior three times in a row or within a minute or two, use a timeout, which is basically isolation, not location. And the timeout is only about 30 seconds. Don't forget that when you let that dog out, the slate is clean and you start it all over again. Okay, so if you interrupt the dog for picking up your shoe three times and you've given him something else to chew on and you put him in timeout, when he comes out and he goes back to that shoe, that starts it all over again with strike one. But the timeout is part of the teaching process. So you may have to do this three, four times to get the dog to walk past the shoe or go up to the shoe and not put his mouth on it. And if he does that and walks up to the shoe and doesn't put his mouth on, you're going to acknowledge it with your verbal marker and really let the dog know that that's the behavior you are looking for. So get to work on conditioning your verbal marker. Get ready because our next episode we are going to talk puppy behavior and specifically discussing behavior such as chewing, housebreaking, biting, which is your play biting. And we are going to talk about Uh, The best way to get your dog started as a puppy and getting it to understand the expectations you have, whether it is eight weeks old, nine weeks old, or six months old. So we will see you next time, Dog Speak Geeks. Have a great week.